This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! like it's been a while but every episode sort of blurs into one from time to time so uh <laughs> i hope you weren't on in the last episode at least no i don't think i was it's a long season isn't it and we've got a we take each each pod as it comes it's the first negative comment of the episode <laughs> i think but it is generally 46 games is a long time isn't it yeah it's a lot to talk about um, particularly the way it's going at the, at the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's going to be a bit of a vibe check, this one. We are supposed to analyse this Ginningham game, but I think everyone's in the same thought process about this. A stinky, boring, nil-nil draw that we should have won. Yeah, that's that's the that seems to be the long and short of it. Um, I, 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 put the, I put the tweet out yesterday for feedback, and normally you do get a, a bit of a range of opinions, but it was... A fairly common theme coming through, um, and I'm not sure how much uh, how much meat there is to to go into the weeds about it. I mean, we all know we all know what happened. We all know how it went. <laughs> not well. Yeah, we we've kicked the ball into the weeds, and we're going to have a a little glance, but our heart's not in it, and we're going to just leave the ball to uh to the elements i think <laughs> in terms of this 90 minute game uh, we'll, we'll talk about the lineup but we'll do some 
deadline day stuff as well because we had an exciting uh, final day of the window with a few coming in, a couple leaving. So we'll, we'll cover that a bit later on too. But let's start with Ginningham. Swindon started with Bryn in goal. At the back, Clayton, McDonald, a debut for Lavinia and Blake Tracy there too. Then Khan, Reed, and Gladwin with a front three of Williams, Wakeling and Shade. I'm calling this 4-3-3, but I don't think that's right, is it? Um, uh, I'm not sure. It, it sounded like there were there was a new formation every 15 minutes. I think that's how, <laughs> I think that's how they started. I think that's how they lined up um, at, the, at the beginning, at least. Yeah, so the great right-back experiment of 2022 with Darcy has come to an end and a debut for Lavinia, Another debutant, Luke Jeffcott, came on a little bit later. It was a game that that started quite lively, actually. It looked like Ginningham might have caused us some problems looking at the the opening stages of the game before the sending off. They came out bright. They they were pressing very high, weren't they? And I guess in the end that... um pressed a, a little bit too too aggressively and too assertively. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a fast-paced start to the game. Um, and then it all changed and the whole dynamic of the chain kind of shifted um, on the on the 10th minute where um, I can't I can't remember the guy's name. I just know that it was his debut. And Minoga. You all have like, like the worst, like the nightmares you get when you start a new job. I mean that's got to be that's got to be up there, isn't it? Getting sent, not even not even like getting sent off like late in the second half or like for like a rush of blood to the head or something. But for two yellow cards in the first ten minutes, that's I mean it's not a good way to introduce yourself for him. Yeah, a supporter of Portsmouth who Minoga plays for, uh, he's joined on loan uh, at, at Ginningham. He, he tweeted that Minoga is going to be sent off. And well, it took 10 minutes, a needless foul, <laughs> a needless yellow and a stupid, stupid red card. Hey, that's me being negative about Ginningham. That's not, that's nothing to do with Swindon. That one, I'd be livid if I was the home supporter at that moment, because yeah. I don't, you can see Harris in the background. He's not complaining. No, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you could do. It was, it was a completely legitimate yellow card. It was just, it was just stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like turning up, turning up your first day of work and your trousers fall down. Yeah, you're doing a lot of first day of work stuff at the moment. This is this is exactly why I've been with the same employer for over ten years. I can't be dealing with these anxieties of what happens on day one. Yeah, none of this has happened to me yet. I've, um, <laughs> I can't, I can't rule it out forever but so far so good yeah i got a day one story i'll tell you off mike because i'm not telling that story <laughs> with, with the record button but um yeah um my, yeah anyway we'll move on and um, before the sending off we, we've covered the sending off now we don't need to talk about that anymore it was a sending off i didn't see the first yellow but so stupid and um, we'll, we'll talk about what we should have expected from swindon after that a fair bit of angus mcdonald chat and just before the sending off there was a slack pass and he got lucky with it because they shot over I think went off for a corner and Swindon harried back quite well and during the game I'm told that McDonald was the target of some of the fans frustrations in the away end with one supporter saying that he'd rather see a one-legged Dion Conroy over our new captain. Dave, we've only conceded six goals in the league this season, three of which were on the opening day. We've kept three clean sheets for which he has contributed to every single one of these. 
Why are people turning on Angus MacDonald? Because this is not isolated to this game. A lot of people no. have, have done that sort of reaction of, oh, he's not what I thought he would be. Is this fitness or is this just, well, this is what we've got? It's a puzzler. I think I think you've kind of summed it up there by saying I'm not what you thought he would be. I think um, particularly in the context of a lot of the other um, signings we've made, he was the one who had the kind of extensive high league experience um and to play like, I, I mean he started the season I don't think he's been as bad as people have made out but he's not come in and he's not looked like a cut above he's looked like a, a league two centre-back and I think that might not be living up to people's expectations I think there's probably an element of scapegoating just because of the perceived um uh, kind of caliber that he had, and I think uh, that's that's always going to be the case, um, because, because we just we can't have nice things. I mean, we saw it with those like, people. People were writing off Harry McCurdy this season. People wrote off Jojo Wallacott last season for very little of their like what they actually achieved on the field. Um, so I think McDonald suffers a bit um, in that regard. I think he's when I, when I've seen him this season, he's quite a. He, he doesn't really defend on the front foot. He's quite um, quite reactive, um, which again doesn't lend himself because it makes it look like he's kind of chasing um, chasing the attackers and and like standing off rather than being more aggressive in the tackle. Um, but I mean, it, you are right. <laughs> he is the captain of a of a back four, which is by and large, done a decent job this season. Um, I think the the weaknesses in, this, in the side are more towards the other end of the pitch. And I guess final point, maybe maybe is maybe maybe is on the ball capabilities are not being as great as what we might have been used to in previous seasons. They possibly do contribute a bit to the way that we are when we have the ball because we, we seem to want to play a style when we build out from the back, but we don't appear to have centre backs who are necessarily completely comfortable with the ball from the back. And there's a bit of a disconnect there, and it makes, um, well, particularly McDonald, makes him appear a bit awkward sometimes. And like that chance you mentioned in the first ten minutes, um, is he, he possibly being put in an, in an uncomfortable position? Um, but yeah, I, I, a combination of all those factors, I think. Um, contributing to it, but he's just got to rise above it. My fear is that it kind of it goes the way of um, Hasni Al Joffrey, uh, going back whatever it was ten or so years, where we you know we get a a player with a, a a decent reputation, and for one reason or another, he's never particularly taken to to the fans. Uh, never, oh sorry, the, the the fans never particularly take to him, and then it all kind of goes sour. And I hope that. That isn't how it transpires in the future. Yeah, would you rather have a one-legged Dion Conroy or a fully fit Angus McDonald, just out of interest? Uh, it depends <laughs> what I'm asking him to do, I guess. Very good point. Very, very good point. I'll go for McDonald, I guess, nine times out of ten. <laughs> I like how you reply to that seriously. <laughs> nine times out of ten, you will go for Angus McDonald over a one-legged Dion Conroy. I don't think Angus McDonald has been fully punished for some of the little wobbles he's had, whereas it felt like every time Dion Conroy made a mistake, it, it resulted in 
utter yeah. chaos. Uh, <laughs> just, he, he didn't have much luck in that respect. No, that's that's a fair point, and I, yeah, you could you could possibly argue that my defensive record might be a bit flattered, might might flatter us a bit based on just. Um, Lack of finishing from opposition throughout throughout the start of the season as well, but yeah, hopefully um, he settles down and um, there's just a bit a bit of harmony in that in that back line and towards and towards him. Yeah, you know, I was going through a lot of the highlights because um, we are given the opportunity to probably watch more than we would normally get if we supported any other team. And, you know, I'm, I'm there making notes. And then I see a tweet from Jbox to us. And it gave me all the advice, really, I needed. He just simply provided <laughs> a clip or a gif from The Simpsons where Portugal were playing Mexico. But I don't think it was the overexcited... Latin American commentator that was that he was referencing to. I think it was firmly Kent Brockman with the half pass, 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 passes to, the to center. center, back, back to, to the wing, back, back to, the to center. Center, center holds, holds it, it. Holds, holds it, holds it. And it's hard to disagree with this, Dave. Like you saw a lot of good stuff in the highlights, and those who were there would have seen it, but approximately zero end product almost all of these sort of going across field passes lovely percentages i'm more than sure and then when it gets to the final bit it's easily defended or it's off for a goal kick or it's a terrible effort but that is pretty much how 80 minutes of the game went after minoga got sent off yeah the only thing missing from that that ken brockman line to make it more true to reality is just um the the, the fullback runs out of play or the <laughs> <laughs> was just, they're just yeah it was all Nice, nice, pretty passes in front of the German back line, and not a lot of not a lot else to do um, to get in behind them. There's not, there wasn't, there's not a lot of um, like, there's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of the, the final ball was completely lacking, and it looked fairly straightforward for the Chillingham to defend. And I, I know Scott Lindsay came out after the match and said it's harder to play against ten men, and I get. I know where he's coming from, and it's a well-worn trope. But like, if it's that much harder to play against ten men, then teams would just start a match with ten men. It's like you have an advantage for eighty minutes. You, you shouldn't hide behind that excuse. Um, and it was yeah, it's just a, just a failure of the side, really, to to create more than effectively what appeared to be our best two chances were both from set pieces when they were set pieces or crosses into the box. The the Blake Tracy header and the um, the one where Jeff Cotts looped it over from close range, so we didn't weren't able to create really too much from open play. Disappointing. It was, and I think back to when this happened in our when this happened at the county ground when we had McCurdy sent off before half time, and then we saw very little from Salford. And my accusation to Salford that day was that they were afraid of losing and I'm not quite sure first I thought well there's an element of this with this fixture but I think it's also a case that we just didn't deviate from the game plan and the game plan of pinging it about just being patient build up play is easier to defend than just going all out attack at them and wearing them down and eventually you get the goal because they're absolutely shattered I can't decide if it's a bit of that or or you know it's just one of those things I I 
we, we'll talk about his uh, Scott Lindsay's post match, but it's an easy thing to quickly say, isn't it? It's like the, you just know as he was walking towards Andrew Hawes, you know the first thing he was going to say. Well, it's hard playing against ten men. So, well, it's not as hard as playing against eleven, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's exactly my point. Yeah, like, it's just it's just a tired trope. Um, when you the, when you're playing against ten men, you need to be getting the ball out wide quickly and you need to be moving things quickly and dragging the opposition from side to side because they've got one less man and it's easier to do that and to, to pick up the pockets of space, not not to play slow, methodical build-up play in front of them and hope <laughs> hope, for, hope for a gap to open up, which um, it seems that we, we kind of carried on doing. Um, yeah, whether it's... Just yeah, whether it's I don't know whether it's a lack of like ability from the the players or whether there's just not the tactical there wasn't on the day the tactical nous to kind of see that a different approach was needed. I, I don't know whether kind of blame gets pointed at. I'm sure we'll come on to it, but it just it's just it's just brain dead, isn't it? It's like it's it's playing trying to play football by numbers. Um, I've likened the it's. It seemed at times as if we have tried to continue the way we played last season under Ben Garner, but we have none of the knowledge and the application that Ben Garner was able to give to the side to make it work. So we're trying to do an approximation of a style and all that it's doing is that we're just not comfortable. The the squad, the, the team don't aren't comfortable doing it because it's there's there's not the the link up play. There's not the patterns. There's not the whatever that made it successful last year. But we still seem convinced that we need to persist down that kind of road. And I don't know if Scott Lindsay needs to break away and like do something different, like try and impose his own style of play or whatever or if I hope to god that this isn't his own style of play because that's quite David if it is but it's something needs to change like the way that we kind of attack basically doesn't it because it's it's very easy to defend against mm, yeah and, and something and again that's annoying a fair few fans is you know you've got Minoga sent off after 10 minutes and Ginningham used four subs, and that was a partly time-wasting, partly, you know, enforcing their defensive plays because some of the players are getting tired. When we should be really throwing ourselves a little bit more attacking-wise, we brought on two players in Darcy and Jeffcott, and as you'll hear, Jeffcott, nobody's judging him on this game because he was getting nothing. How are you getting nothing when you're up front against 10 men? It, it, it's, it's insane. No, I don't know. A lot of the a lot of the feedback um, that I've seen for Jeff Cott is that for all of his um, all of his ability, he does need to play in a two. And I know I think Wakeling came off with an injury, didn't he? So not not criticizing the the like for like swap, but if, it seems like we kind of just lumped him up there on his own. And if that's not to his strength, then we need to be doing better than that. Yeah, and you know we're going to talk about the vibe as as i said at the top of the pod because the reaction was quite something i guess some of that is down to the fact that a week ago we were leading against 10 men stockport and then within 4 minutes of them going down to 10 men 
we concede. So in most people's thought process, we should have six points from the last two games and be well up there instead of mid-table still at this very early stage of the season, having just collected two points. And that's going to be great, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's, we're what? We're one, de- one defeat this season we're on... If you if you try and spin it that way, isn't isn't a terrible start, but it's the manner of the way that we're drawing games. I'm not coming away from games which we're drawing thinking, yeah, you know what, we looked like a good side who were just mm. unfortunate on the day to draw. It's more, oh wow, it was just an even game. We didn't really outplay them. They didn't really outplay us. It just is what it was, and. If we have ambitions of like getting promoted this season, then we shouldn't be coming away from games against such different varied levels of opposition feeling the same way each time because that's that's ultimately like mid, what mid table teams do. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we if we yeah. if, if it's if it's four draws that you know we've battered the doors down and created hundreds of chances and we've just let one in at the death, yeah, that's. That's annoying in a different way, but there's still a positive outlet to take out from that. We're not having that at the minute. Yeah. If we, if we talk about those five draws, in my opinion, Salford, we should have lost. Carlisle, fine. Draw was about right. Orient, we should have lost. Stockport, I think we should have won because of the circumstance. Ginningham, I think we should have won given the circumstance. But ultimately, regardless of which side you, <laughs> your opinion is, we didn't win. Yeah. No, exactly. It's... Yeah, and the annoying—I say annoying—but the just the thing is, we—I mean, we've got two home games coming up, I think, haven't we? And if we win both of those, oh yes, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that because that's the big—that's a big discussion point, really. Let's listen to what listeners had to say about that. Brace yourselves, because here it comes. Now you're, you're thinking, let's just get a scrappy goal, get changed, and get up the road. Yeah, as they say in Scotland. Righto, brace yourselves, everybody. Here's the post-match comments from listeners. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent stuff in. Too many to read out today, but keep sending me stuff, please. We'll start with Paul Temple, who was in the ground, saying, McDonald is not fit. Shade is not a striker. Why play four wide players continually going sideways against 10 men? Need to play two up front. Get crosses in. Jeffcott looks like he can make good runs in goal-scoring positions. Man of the match, Blake Tracy. Solid. Matt Peach says, it's getting to the point where you must be balmy to suggest a different manager couldn't get more out of the squad. I like Lindsay and want him to do well, but this is becoming a repetitive story of a poor performance. Shockingly, somehow, only four points off the playoffs. We go again. Sarah V says, Lavernier looks like a good signing. Jeffcott can't comment as no service against Ginningham. Definitely two points drop. Andrew Hall sounded a bit bored at the end, and to be honest, so was I. Patrick says, new man needed now, with energy and charisma to inspire a team that looks bored, with skill to guide and develop young players, with tactical awareness, everything we are lacking. Bennett says, I hate the optimism I had going into today. No evidence of plan A, let alone B. No evidence we are tailoring out style or personnel to the opponent. 
Subs could have changed the way the game went. They didn't. Both management and players need to reflect on that game. Bernie Man says, that is enough to show me that my early fears were right. This coaching team do not have what it takes to get the best out of this group, who are obviously talented enough. Time for a change. Right back, decent. Forward needs fitness. Can man of the match. If Clem is serious, he will make a change. STSC underscore 1969 says, six unbeaten, clean sheet. Um... I'm out of positives. Four shots on target against 10 men, three of which were shade in the last 10 minutes. No one was brave enough. Get to the byline and ping it across. Cause some danger in the box. Jeffcott made runs, but no one looked to find him. Moonraked says, thought the game was the most bleak thing I would see all weekend. Then came the footage of the Lindsay post-match. Ouch. No eye contact, short, stroppy, Sheridan-esque answers, a man who demonstrated not one iota of the qualities needed to lead. Change needed now. H the Duck says, it just feels so flat. Has everyone come to the conclusion that Scott Lindsay is just treading water till someone else comes along, perhaps? Are we all just waiting for something to change? P.S. Watched the game from L.S. French Chateau today. Nice place. Shame about the view. Craig says one win and only six goals for the first nine games is terrible. Lindsay showing why he's never had a management opportunity before and is not the man for the job. Adair says, Lindsay out, please. Mike 44939870 says, felt like a loss today in a way. Definitely two points dropped. My lad's first away game today. And I asked him his thoughts on the way home. And his reply was, at least we didn't get beat. So he was slightly more positive. Jason Spacey says, that was the football equivalent of gout. And goes on to say that he's just watched Scott Lindsay's post-match interview and I genuinely want him to succeed but that performance just wasn't good enough obvious that he knows that Paul Merriman says didn't catch it all but from what I saw we seem to be doing the right things except in the final six yards just incredibly frustrating is Lindsay trying too hard with the tactics we clearly have the players to be any team in this division Nick agrees we have a good squad just not convinced by the manager I want him to succeed but not sure he's got the experience to get the team winning we haven't got the most patient fan base and some expect us to win every game as it is guess we will see how determined Clem is with his project Basemaster Rich says, not good enough. No excuses to not win that game, but we somehow managed it. Tactics and subs questionable at times. Did anyone want to shoot other than shade? Lack of urgency all round. Got to ask questions of the management team here. Pete Marsh says, man of the match. Bryn for a second half. Tackle and the post in the first half for being there. The two takeaways, Reed and Ward before he left. Both not the same without Dion Conroy. McCurdy isn't there anymore to create. We look lost without him. Craig Clark says another for the two points dropped column. That was a tough watch. Playing against 10 for so long and not putting the game to bed is really poor. Sorry, but I can't think of any positives. Poop emoji. King Fu says possession without purpose. Lavernier was decent. Jeff got invisible but got no service. So hard to judge on that performance. Blake Tracy, man of the match. PSW36 says seven games in and still haven't identified any clear game plan. Tempo very slow and no end product. Very underwhelming performance. Something needs to change. 
Sean Jobbins says, can anyone see this getting better? The squad is good enough. Dave Phillips, if Swindon were a sprinter, his personal best 100 metres time would be 25 minutes. Moonraker says, that's it for me. One win in nine. Lindsay out of his depth and needs to go. Mr. Goods asks, what does Ricky Aguilar have to do to get on the pitch? Nick Smith says, no idea how to throw the kitchen sink at teams. If we did, it would miss. <laughs> Lawrence says, searching for the positives, a point is a point, and it was an away game with plenty of possession. What's not to like? Steve Arman says, we need to work out how to feed two strikers, e.g. Jeff Cotton Wakeling, man of the match Clayton. He is assured more than McDonald. MTH says, time for a change. 90 poor minutes of the last 180 with an aggregate score of 0-1 is damning. Kieran says, we don't look like winning a game. Awful game and need to be beating 10 men. Man of the match, Brennan. That says a lot. DJH says, poor against a poor team. Something needs to change soon. People don't want to pay to watch boring nil-nil draws. James says, shite. D McMacken says, hi, Rich. Shit. While Ryan says, Lindsay really is tactically inept. We really need to stop giving youth coaches the main job. And finally, PJ, who says an extremely boring game of football made worse by the fact that we had no idea in the final third. There were clueless substitutions. Bringing Wakeling off for Jeffcott when realistically we needed both on the pitch was idiotic. Awful to watch. Can't pick a man of the match. Ugh. Ooh, okay, Dave. So I think... What we've discussed, I can't remember if it was during the record or off mic, is that I always like to find little chunks of positivity. That was the hardest all season, <laughs> I think, the, <laughs> to find anything. And I and I include Harrogate in that because, you know, you still got the optimism of 45 games left. It wasn't that long ago, Harrogate, you know, with 15% or something like that through the season. Yeah. It, it's, it's a toughie. But the reaction was not happy at all at the end, as you as you heard there. Let, let's do the nice bit first and get the man of the match. Not out the way, but let's let's declare the man of the match. So it was it was I mean Lavernier got a, a mention, Gladwin got a mention, Clayton got a mention, Khan got a mention. It was the world's worst two horse race between Blake Tracy and Bryn. I think Blake Tracy just squeezed. Pass. So Blake Tracy gets the listeners man of the match. I'm not asking you to provide it because I asked one of the contributors at the ground and they agree with Steve Arman in the comments there by giving it to Clayton. So Clayton gets the man of the match from the pod, which I like because he's done well in the last few weeks. And yeah. again, he didn't he didn't do too well, he didn't do bad at all against Ginningham. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I like I like the I like the sign of um Clayton. I think he's he's settled in really well, hasn't he? And he, he played well yesterday, so I'm sure he'll be he'll be glad to have won his first elusive um, man of the match award. Yeah, and and again, as as some suggested, especially those who nominated Bryn, especially for that second half tackle that he did, where he rushed out of his box, and that could have that could have ended in tears, but he he absolutely nailed it. It's quite damning that the man of the match is a defender, just as much as it is when you a goalkeeper when you're playing against ten men for eighty minutes. But never mind. Um, we're going to go back to Kent Brockman now, Dave. Um, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on <laughs> the goo inside? <laughs> yes. 
Oh no. Okay. So <laughs> this is this is a proper. It's going to go with the title of this episode. This is a seven game itch, isn't it? This the reaction to this. Every other game where we haven't won this season, uh, which is all but one, um, there's been genuine debate and benefit of the doubt, and now it feels that the tide is turning on Scott Lindsay particularly. And I've read quite a few messages out there, and especially including a few messages of criticism from quite prominent town fans, which are very carefully worded. But the root of their frustration ultimately stems from Lindsay's decision-making as he's the person who sets up the team, selects it, and is in charge of what's happening during the game itself. They're not saying, Lindsay... But when you're referring to games as boring and toothless and, you know, worrying, it's Scott Lindsay, isn't it? And I'm not there yet. And I think the reason why I'm not there yet is our next two fixtures. And even then, there's there's variables on this. We have Sutton and Newport, not in that order. I think it's Newport first, isn't it? I can't remember. Sutton and Newport we'll just yeah. go with. Yeah. Which are very winnable games based on expectations and how the season is playing out at the moment. And I think if he doesn't get four plus points from those two games, and yeah, maybe that'll push me over. But until then, I just think it's unrealistic due to the fact the guy's got a three-year contract. I know Morfuni is back in town this week, and that might be you know, quite important because he will go to the ground. And if Sutton or Newport isn't going well, then he's going to be sat in the stand and he's going to be comparing the last time he sat in the county ground, which would have been for the Port Vale first leg and seeing what it's like now. And that's got to be a worry, hasn't it? It, it, It's tough here. A lot of people just going with the rhetoric of, I want him to succeed, but where are you? Uh, I think that's where I am. I, I mean, we all kind of know his personal backstory, and it's—I mean, it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for him, given like where he's at in his career and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but on the early showing, um, the first fifteen fifteen percent of the season, or whatever it is, it's not exactly started particularly positively, and there doesn't seem to be many signs of change. So for instance, the like the last 80 minutes yesterday, like we said, we carried on the same way as the, I mean, you could have, you could have lifted and dropped it into pretty much any of the 90 minutes we played this season. And it would have been the, the same kind of performance. There wasn't an adjustment to, to this, to the, to the, to the opposition, to like just the, the, the play, the new players we have available or anything. Um, I don't think he particularly covers himself in glory in the way that he deals with the media, which, I mean, you can have different opinions on how important that is, but ultimately it's his conduit to speaking to us. Um, and it should be um, an important part of a manager's job um, because they need to represent themselves to, to the <laughs> The people who ultimately keep the keep the club funded and keep the club running. I think expectations are a lot higher this season given how last season went, and I think it's fair that expectations are higher given how last season went, and then you back that up with um, higher ticket prices. 
and asking more of fans to to come back and fill the ground and that's all that's all fine that's all well that's all good we need to charge money to everything every, the cost of everything's going up so you know in some respect ticket prices shouldn't be immune from that but that's the start of the season hasn't lived up to that hype and um the balloon that the balloon of the 21 22 season is um feeling quite flat at the minute and I mean, the manager would be the easiest thing to resolve that, but a lot would depend on, like, hypothetically, if 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 Lindsay wasn't around for much longer, a lot would depend on what you do to replace him. Um, and it'd be interesting to know what the powers that be head is at, where their head is at with that kind of that kind of thinking, if and when the time came. Yeah. I got my first ever full season ticket this season during a cost of living crisis. Am I this <laughs> fan base's biggest idiot? Uh, Young family, Dave. It's it's a competitive field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Young family bought a season ticket. Goodness me. What am I like? Okay. Um, I do want to go back to Scott Lindsay's post-match. We heard in the listeners' contributions, both Spacey and Moonraked commented on what was quite a um, sorry sight, to be honest. Um, and I say sight because the interview is on YouTube. And although it's not exactly inspiring in audio, in terms of the visual, it's just worse, isn't it? I mean, the guy is head down. He's quite rude to Andrew Andrew Hawes in places. And the questions that Andrew is asking is not, are not provocative in any way, shape or form. Andrew is doing a great job because he knows that he where he shouldn't continue. And his body language, as I said, is just all over the shop. And he must feel every loss quite personally. And I'm sure most managers do. But there is a way that you can just... You know, football fans are quite traditional in the sense that they want a leader, don't they? They want they want someone that, you know, will grab this squad by the scruff of the neck and get them moving forward to the next game. But I felt like I wanted to give him a hug. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it was tough to watch. Um, I mean, Sheridan-esque almost in, in his manner and his demeanour. Um, you've got to think as well. Not quite as aggressive as, as Sheridan. No, no, not quite no. as aggressive. Yeah. Like an Eeyore, Eeyore Sheridan, um, <laughs> but you you got to think like this is it's it's first first time he's done this job, and it's the first time he'll be doing these interviews with that kind of having the responsibility for the side of and coming in after a after a bad result and having to talk to the media about it, and maybe maybe he is taking it too much to heart because it, it 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 does look like that. I'll agree with you. Um, it's it's not a, it's not a pos- it's not a positive is it no it doesn't it doesn't feel good but again i do appreciate why some fans think that we may overthink these sort of elements but we are as everyone keeps saying we're only 7 games into the season but the fact that he is he is that down i mean he was exactly the same after game 1 yeah. but he's that down it's it's a long old you know poke these football seasons and there'll be twists there'll be turns and we saw how happy he was after the Rochdale game yeah i think i think he feels each game um and that's not a crime but i always compare managers to Danny Wilson because i think Danny Wilson was the king of never giving away delight or misery you know he just took every game as it comes and he was yeah he was you know, yeah. he wasn't like the most sort of lively 
but he was so analytical and and he, he knew what he was talking about. And I'm not saying that Scotland he doesn't, but there were times in that post match where I don't think he even believed what he was saying. But no. it, I think that was mostly down to the body language. You've got a yeah, and uh, you've got a well, I guess just wondering out loud. But what's what's he? If that's how he's speaking out in public, what well, how's he communicating to the? to the dressing room after the match you've got to hope it's a bit more um upbeat and energetic than that <laughs> otherwise <they're, laughs> i'm sure it is some troubles yeah i'm sure it is i'm sure it's a whole different ball game and some managers head coaches simply don't like the the interview element of the job and it's it's something that they all have to get used to isn't it so yeah there's there's something else that you mentioned there, and it was a big talking point with with the with the listeners. This notion, Dave, that the squad is strong. You're not yeah. as sure that is it strong as people are saying, are you? No. So I was I was thinking about it. So I've taken when people say we've got a strong squad, I've taken that to mean it's the the, the group of players we've got are capable of achieving the same kind of season as we had last season, if not better. But when I go through and compare kind of the players we've got now, and I've, I fully hold my hands up and it's, you know, early season, players might get better, players might get better if we play a different system, blah, 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 blah. But based on what we've seen and going through, so comparing it to using the kind of the 11 that ended last season as a reference point, because that was, that was essentially the, the 11 that dragged us into the playoffs in the end. So you'd say our strongest side. So, I mean, going through it from back to front, Bryn, yeah, Bryn's better goalkeeper than Ward. Like no arguments there. Centre back, you'd, I'd probably put them on a par. Um, I don't think there's much difference at the minute between McDonald and Clayton or Conroy and Bowdry last year, but I struggled to see how the rest of the kind of squad that we've got match up to last year. So like the, the fullback positions, um, none of the right backs I've seen look any better than look any better than Egbo. Um, Blake Tracy, I mean, he's solid. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a bad player, but I mean, we had Rob Hunt as a solid fullback last year. So there's no improvement there. So I think if anything, we're probably weaker overall in the fullback position than we were last year. Midfield, um, Khan is nowhere near the level of player that Jack Payne was. Um, and the the hangover midfielders that we've got this season, for one reason or another, aren't performing to the same degree that they were last year. And up front, I'm in, we've lost Harry McCurdy, obviously. Um, none of the... I'd say I'm not sure any of the strikers we've seen match that ability. We've not got a focal point up front the same way that we had Davison at the end of last year. Um, and while I think Wakelin, I th- Wakelin's played a lot better than expected, when you look at the, the overall picture, I still think that the forward line we've got this season is weaker than last year. And admittedly, that might... I mean, if, if Jeff Cott comes in and performs as we all kind of hope he does and if um Lavinier um can can match his kind of hype then that'll go some way to redressing the balance but even then it's not I, I don't get the sense that we've built a squad of players better than what we had last year we've got we've built a bigger squad of players no doubt but we've built a squad of players full of individuals who we're asking to perform 
at the highest level of their careers for an extended period of time. I mean, going through the going through the signings that we've made this year, Brennan played a handful of league games. Where if we, if we want him to come in and do well for us, he'll be playing longer in a in a league um, two than than he'll have done before. Wakelin, we all know his background, and it, to be fair to him, he's come in well. Darcy played a handful of league games before. Clayton hasn't played any league games before. Adeloy is a non-league journeyman who we found kicking around in the Scottish lower leagues. Khan, long league, uh, non-league journeyman. Lavinia hasn't played a league game before. Bryn played a, a few games, uh, played a season to be fair in the uh, the Scottish Championship. And Massey, who's a youth, and a, like. Wakelin, Darcy, Clayton, Khan, Lavinia, Brin have all come in and been fairly regular parts, um, fairly regular um, like contributor, contributors this season. But they've not put anything on tape really <laughs> before this year for an extended period of time to prove that they can deliver success at this level. It's it's their punts really, and I know that's kind of, I mean they can. Like Sandro De Michele can can dress it up however he wants, but the whole transfer system is essentially ed- educated guesses at finding hidden value. Um, and if, if if you're being unkind, you could you could also term that as just taking punts. Um, and then is it is it a surprise when you then pair that with a coaching staff who have no experience of league football that we don't necessarily start the season? In the manner of a side which you'd expect to be challenging promotion, because I'm I'm not sure that it is. Mm, yeah, this podcast before the season even started was saying that we're not going to really know what the lay of the land is once the deadline day is is uh, well the windows closed because we don't know who was going to come in, who was going to leave, and now we do know. And I don't like it when people say, well, you've got to give them X amount of games and we get to that and it's not great. So we go, we can't really judge this until January. And then you can't judge it until February, March, April. Oh, you know, we're not going up. I knew it. Scumbags, a lot of them. But, you know, it's, it is tough. And I just think these are, these are two huge games coming up because I do fear that we're going to go into one of those seasons where, everyone's going to be down in the dumps and then we're going to get four, six points against Newport and Sutton. And then we're going to get one point at Doncaster and Grimsby. And then we're going to get a positive point against Northampton. And then we're going to get a dower point against Stevenage. We're just going to go round in circles (laughs) to and froing, arguing amongst ourselves. But this time in two weeks or this time in a week and a half, might have six points from from our next two games, and then suddenly people going remember how pathetic everyone sound after Ginningham. And but I don't think anyone is really sort of um, out of line by bemoaning what what we're seeing to a degree. I just not a hundred percent sure it's worth sacking a head coach over yet. Yeah, I I'm with you really. I think I'm I'm kind of like ninety percent there on making my mind up, but it's. It's just the fact that it is it's still quite quite early in the season and a lot can still change. I don't particularly buy into the arguments that get thrown around of, oh, well, in uh, in, in 1993, uh, Team X started <laughs> yeah. losing with uh, one point after 15 games and ended up winning the league. And I, I don't think that is particularly um, instructive of now. 
but yeah, but they had Andy Cole up front or something like that, isn't it? It's just like okay, well, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like the Decanio comparison. Yeah, we had Matt Ritchie in a money tree. You know, it, it was like completely different. Yeah, I'm I'm ninety percent of the way there. It's, I mainly because I'm not I've, I'm not bought into the to the transfer strategy that we've gone with, and I'm not bought into the fact I don't believe we've got a squad of players capable without capable of achieving promotion without real strong and successful management from the sidelines. And I don't particularly on early showings, don't particularly believe um, that Lindsay is capable of achieving that. But I would say as well that if, if things do go South um, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if things do go South, I don't in a way don't particularly blame Scott Lindsay um, for being overpromoted. I blame it would be the fault of those who put him in that position in the first place. And I think that the powers that be at the football club would need to reassess how they are um, going ahead with the kind of preferred model, if you will. Um, because yeah. I know, I know, I know Sandro has, has mentioned before lightning us to wanting to be like Brentford. Um, but <laughs> It was, it was, I know it was, it was 10 years ago or so, but I'm vaguely, I'm fairly certain that when Brentford started on their rise, they weren't doing it with a bunch of um, unknown high upside players. They were getting promoted with the likes of Jonathan Douglas and Alan McCormack. And then once they had consolidated at a higher level, they were then able to um, migrate their kind of um, transfer strategy a bit in a, in a more um, gentle way. And rather than a than a big shock, so I don't think it's a particularly fair comparison, and I'm not sure that our transfer strategy um, this summer has left us in a similar position to be able to capitalise and begin our journey in the same way that Brentford did. Yeah, I think if Scott Lindsay was told to leave, I think the great Chris Kylie Sandro D. McKayley experiment would also have to come to an end too with with the way I mean what we do know about the recruitment of Lindsay is going to look really bad if that if if Clem Mulfooney decides that enough is enough by October for example it's it's a catastrophe yeah. really um which I hope doesn't happen but you know it's, it's Clem Mulfooney can't be watching this as a businessman or a football fan and going do you know what this is going exactly how I was told it was going to go you know there there is time to retrieve the season we just got to see what happens in the in the coming weeks but I think there's it's, I think I my gut feeling it's going to be kind of like a two positives followed by two negatives followed by I think that's just the way the season's going to go at the moment but yeah I, I am I am I am reasonably buoyed by the transfer window but maybe the end of McCurdy. Let's talk about the transfer window before we go. So it was a busy day, wasn't it? Um, we saw Marcel Lavernier come in, Rashan Hepburn Murphy come in, rookie goalkeeper Connor Brand, who's suddenly now from third choice at Goalway United. I think, I mean, it's hard to find data online, but transfer mark, for example, I think he's only had one substitute a bench, no games, just one appearance on the bench for Goalway. And now suddenly... He might play Bristol Rovers and uh, and Plymouth in in the in the Papa Johns. Morgan Roberts also arrived from Banbury. I think uh, he he had 
interest from Wales under-21s as well. He's done really well at Banbury. Didn't feature for Swindon this weekend. Brand was on the bench. And we've also had Luke Jeffcott come in, which was pretty much their marquee signing. Um, we all saw his the impact that he made when he emerged after that loan spell at Truro where he helped Plymouth get promotion and then he did well in League One. Things have gone off the boil a little bit and now he's joined us with a view to a permanent. So if it all goes well for him at Swindon, then hopefully that that's locked in. There's a picture of Luke Jeffcott as a child in a Swindon shirt. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. No, it's very bizarre. It's... If, if that is true, then yeah, lovely. I'm sure he's wearing it because he was like invited by a mate or something, but good on that, mate. Uh, and it's a lovely story, but... That that is the signing that I wanted before the season started. That's the sort of signing I wanted. Yeah. If we play to his strengths, will be a very good signing. Yeah. No, I think I think it's exactly the it's exactly the type of signing that we need. Um, the I think we've hopefully got another right back to throw at the um, right back hole and see if this see if um, Lavinia works um, from the from what I saw yesterday he did seem to have a lot of energy about him he just didn't seem to be quite on the same wavelength um, as the rest of the players so hopefully that's something that does improve with time um, uh, Hepburn Murphy I, I again I kind of file him away under the still has quite a lot to prove um, I know he's kind of had various spells. I think he had one at Tranmere and he was in Cyprus for a bit, but there's nothing on his CV that like leaps out as, um, oh, wow. Um, and, and the and the big worry for me on on Hepburn Murphy is just the lack of football in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be difficult. And we're, again, we're, we're taking a punt on, on someone and hoping that, um, or I guess, being positive, backing ourselves to to get uh, get a tune out of him, but we'll see we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the the big obviously the big elephant in the room is that we signed all those players, but we lost um, we lost our talisman. And oh, but, I mean, too yeah. late for that. <laughs> stayed <laughs> up. I want I wanted to sort of have the pod um, be as up to date as possible before releasing it. And I think they announced it at like what half one in the end and I was still up but oh my goodness and then and then the RSS feed provider broke during that time so if I would have released it at the time I should have it wouldn't been an issue and oh it's been a right old fat ever since but um McCurdy made his debut in their win on the weekend he was a second half sub cousin Mikey who's a season ticket holder with Hibs described the performance as nervous <laughs> okay I can I can see that. I think he's going to um, he's going to have a lot of joy winding up a lot of hearts um, and Rangers fans um, up there. Uh, but the I, not Celtic though. Has he got respect for Celtic? I don't know. I, I don't really know how the how how it all works up there. But I just in my head is that that they both play in green, so they have some kind of respect for each other. But if that's not the case, then is he going to refer to Ross County as Ross Turnbull County in honor of the greatest Chelsea goalkeeper? <laughs> It's uh, it's it's the kind of patter I'd expect from him, yeah. Um, yeah. I get on a more serious slash dour note. I think. I mean, before we went into the before we went into deadline day, I felt like we needed a um, kind of a, 
keynote striker, proven goal getter, to support McCurdy and to a lesser extent Wakelin. Um, and so the fact that we've got Jeff Cott but lost McCurdy, I don't particularly think we're in a stronger position up front than than we were at the start of last week, given given what we know about um, Hepburn Murphy's um, injury record and I guess playing record before that, and the fact that Tommy Adloyd doesn't doesn't seem to exist. Um, it just <laughs> oh, it just, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to believe. I've done. To be fair, I did. I did see him. He came on against um, Leighton Orient, didn't he? And he, um, mm-hmm. he hoofed. He the played ball every on. game before before he got injured. I think he'd come on pretty much all the time. I still don't. I, I, yeah, I, I, you I don't remember. believe me. That's fine. That... <laughs> <laughs> Prove it, Rich. I can't right now. You're right. Oh dear. Um, yeah, I've, McCurdy will be McCurdy. Fiercely popular. I'm not going to sort of dwell on the, the, the stuff that I've festered over and flapped about both on this pod about his attitude and bits and pieces like that. He provided some really, really great memories in his brief spell at Swindon. And I hope it does go on to be a, a great career where he's not going from one place to the other because of who Harry is. And Harry said it himself in his farewell Instagram message. You know, we let him be himself which I think that says everything you need to know, really. But, you know, real, yeah, some really, really great moments in that great season. And I think, you know, I think 11 of the 18 that 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 were in the matchday squads against Port Vale in May have now left. And they're, and they're not all lone players. It's it's quite a turnaround and a, and a, and a real shame. And it, it feels that way. That, that great day in, at Walsall feels like a bloody age ago, doesn't it? It's a, yeah, it's a completely different era for, from yeah. how it is now. Yeah. A, fin- a final point, because as, as I said, as before I always press record, I'll say we're always lucky to get 20 minutes out of this. And here we go, closing in on an hour. Lewis Ward left for an undisclosed fee to Sutton. I can't help but be a little bit disappointed with, with Lewis Ward in this one. Um, I wasn't his biggest fan. But we needed that competition and something clearly, I can't prove it, but something clearly has happened at Swindon, which has resulted in him wanting to leave and ended up getting a move. And now we have a goalkeeper and a youth or very inexperienced goalkeeper's number two. I'm more than sure we'll bring in a experienced goalkeeper as a freebie. But I'm a little bit disappointed on this front, even more so with his final performance, knowing that he was leaving. What a way to sign off. But he was so well-liked at Swindon by a lot of people. And at the first opportunity, probably because he's not playing, now he's gone to Sutton to compete with Jack Rose with no guarantees of the number one jersey. It's it's, it's just a shame. Yeah, I get the sense. And I mean, again, this is based on no insight from my point of view, but I get the sense he was likely given some assurances about what kind of playing minutes he'd get this year and they haven't come to pass um i i challenge back on that by saying that we're we're playing the better of the goalkeepers that we had and the fact that we've got any money for lewis ward um is is a real coup (laughs) i was never (laughs) never never his biggest fan i take i take the point i take the point about where it's left us in terms of the goalkeeping position but i mean there's so many loopholes in the like the emergency loan rules you get, particularly if our if our backup keeper you could argue is 
still in the youth. You could quite recategorize him as a youth prospect given given kind of his age and whatnot. I'm not too worried. I mean, if you get get a bit of, get a bit of dollar for Lewis Ward, it's um, you don't you don't turn that down. We know how to make a little bit of money on the quick, don't we? Um, I di- I don't think this has been as negative as maybe listeners might have expected it. I'm I'm not down. I'm frustrated as a Swindon fan by the manner of how we're collecting these points. You take away, you take away the the raw emotion of how these games are playing out, and and we're not in the worst situation. It's, the season is not over, but it does need to be. It needs to be monitored quite a bit. Uh, we're not gonna. We can't just let this just go on the way it is. But at the moment, I think we need to see how the new players get involved. It's not going to take long before we know whether that's been a success or not. I'm not saying given months, I'm not saying given the season, but I, I certainly say let's see how the rest of this month goes. Yeah, um, the next two games are massive, aren't they? They'll go. Yeah. They'll be in Newport and Sutton, winnable. Yeah, Ben Wills is uh, Newport County. To be fair, if um, if if Sutton if Lewis Ward is playing, then that's got to be a that's got to be a, a positive, isn't it? <laughs> maybe that maybe that was uh, um, uh, Lindsay's playing four D chess, isn't he? He's like he's he's spotted the fixture list. We need a we need something going our way. We'll um, bum Lewis Ward off to Sutton, chuck one in five, five figures and three points. Thank you very much. He's going to yeah. he's going to say three penalties, isn't he? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. He's going to say three <laughs> bloody penalties. Oh well, until then we'll 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 think about other things. Dave, I think that'll do. Lovely. Thank you very much. Bye. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has that bubble? Yes, I would, Kent. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.